Good to see you. Um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 21, starting in 21 this morning, and then we're going to end up in 22. I uh, wanted to let you know, because you weren't here at the 9 o'clock service, but we welcomed in six new ministry partners and uh, baptized uh, two different people. So uh, I, I don't even know if we didn't take pictures or anything. We should have. But would you guys praise the Lord for that? That's always amazing and good and something to celebrate. Um, we are glad that you are here today in person. Those joining us online, hello. Uh, if any of you happen to be a first-time guest, we'd love to get to know you. So come to the Connections Desk after the service, and uh, Sutherland will be there to say hello and give you some information. So um, Acts 21. Uh, by the way, Anna Catherine Gardner, you probably couldn't hear as well, but it was too good not to share it. But she's over in London in case you didn't pick up on like the double-decker bus or the people driving the wrong way on the road, um, all those kinds of things. Probably she's staying in front of her favorite pub. I don't know how that works. But um, but it's really cool. She said, hey, I want to do announcements today. So uh, there they are from across the pond. She is a, a grad student over there in London for the year, and she's a part of our community. So uh, it was fun to have her uh, share with us this morning. Um, all right, so Acts 21. Um, all right. Here's the trend we find. Justin mentioned this last week as well. Uh, it's, the, it's, it's the same old, same old in effect for Paul. He's been called to this ministry, and what we find Paul getting into a lot is he... He goes to a place where he's told to go, and he shares the truth of the gospel, and some people are like really excited that he's done this, and other people get ticked off at him for doing this, and they run him out of town, or they try to hurt him, or arrest him, or some kind of just get him to be quiet, all right? And this is the trend. This is, this is the routine that Paul's going to experience. He's going to be imprisoned, and this is going to be his life until he gives his life for the gospel. And so as we find ourselves here in Acts 21... Um, and eventually in 22, Paul has been accused once again of speaking blasphemous things against God and his people, and, and they want him to be quiet, they want him to stop talking, and they, they would love him to be arrested or thrown away or thrown out or, you know, I don't know, maybe even killed. Um, now, here's, the re here's an interesting point I want to make before we get to the text, um, because it's kind of the... Uh, the crucial part of, of where I'm going with the message today. As Paul is defending himself to these accusations, <clears throat> um, it's a, important to note as he gives his testimony and shares his experience. He's not talking to pagans. He's not sharing his testimony with idol worshipers. Uh, he's not talking to people who don't know God. He's actually talking to people who have all the information about God and the Messiah, and yet they still do not believe the truth. This is who he's talking to. These are not ignorant people. These aren't people that don't know the law, don't know the word. They know it, but they do not yet believe. So starting in the last part of verse 27, we find where um, this... Uh, Paul's being accused again, all right? So it says, uh, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. 
This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. All right, this is, this is their main, this is their main, um, he teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. That's their accusation against him. Basically, it's, all right, Paul, you hate God's law, you hate God's people, you hate this place. Now, Paul stands up um, in verse 40, we're going to pick up here, and we're going to see his response in chapter 21. It says, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. So he's going to answer to these accusations. He motions to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. And when they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. All right, so it was like, oh, you're speaking our language. Then Paul said, verse 3, so now he's answering to their accusations. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women, throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. So he's like, I've been living this law that you say I don't, I don't follow. You, I, I, I was following this to, to the T. So he, he answers all their accusations. He says, I am one of you. I am one of you. He says, I don't hate this city. I grew up in this city. And then he says, I know the law probably better than many of you. So he addresses the accusations. But here's the part that I want us to pick up on today. Because he uses their accusations against him. One, yes, he speaks to them. But then he uses it as a springboard to share his testimony to share what God has done through Jesus Christ in his life and for him to share why he's even doing what he's doing to share the mission to share the the point of it all right he's talking or let's re, let me highlight this remember who he's talking to he's talking to people who have all the information and yet they don't believe all right so um let me pick up here in, um, we're st now we're in chapter uh, 22. Um, Paul says, about noon, so now he's going to share his testimony. This is the part that's really powerful. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. It's like, all right, so you've made these accusations. You say, I don't love the law. You say, I don't love God. You say, I don't love the city. I do. I'm here in the temple. I'm here worshiping. I'm here to speak the truth. I love God, and I love you people, and I love this, and I'm going to tell you what God has done in my life. About noon as I came near Damascus, he's replaying what we've read in Acts chapter 9. Suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. 
My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. Now he points out how devout Ananias is. He goes, he was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one. And to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Okay. So, Paul, he's been accused. He's preaching to everyone, everywhere about these things. And he's like, yes, this is my mission. This is my calling. This is what I've been called to. And he says, I've drawn a clear line. I'm drawing a clear line. I'm going to tell you, yes, I love the Lord. Yes, I love the law. Yes, I love the people. But I'm going to tell you that I have a mission. God has given it to me. He has, he has, he has worked in such a miraculous way that I am going to speak the truth. I'm going to, I was blinded, now I can see, and here I am standing before you, and I'm going to tell you what God has done. This is what he is experiencing. This is what Paul is going through. He's making this case. Here, remember, I got, I'm going to keep repeating this part, just make sure we get it. He is talking to people who know the law. He's saying to them, listen, the righteous one, the, the Messiah, the one from our fathers that we have been waiting for, that's who showed up to me. That's who spoke to me on the road to Damascus. I've heard from him. He is the one we've been waiting for. All right, now he continues with his testimony in verse um, 17 now. And he's, he's telling them, he's, he's laying out what has gone on. They're like, man, why did we accuse this guy of this stuff? He just keeps going on and on. But he's sharing what the Lord has done. He says this in verse 17. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple. See, his, his uh, interaction with Jesus didn't change his, uh, like, I'm never going to the temple again. No, he went. He was there to worship. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. And then he quotes what he heard from the Lord. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Paul's argument here is, I don't have to leave. They know how devout I used to be. They know how much I used to hold up our hatred for anyone who would speak against what they thought was speaking against God. 
being blasphemous. He's like, they're not going to run me off. They know how, how uh, into this I was. They're going to they're gonna hear the rest of the story, surely. <laughs> Verse 21, then the Lord said to me, this is Paul speaking, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. So Paul's recounting this to them. He's telling them the story. I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I was blinded. I regained my sight. Ananias spoke to me, spoke what he heard from the Lord, which is I'm going to be a witness. He told me to get up and be baptized, and so I was. And then I was in a trance, and Jesus spoke to me and told me what I was going to do, and I'm going to go to the Gentiles. He's recounting all of this to them. Verse 22 is important. The crowd listened to Paul. They listened to everything he had said up to this point. They listened to Paul until he said this. This being, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Then they raised their voices and shouted, rid the earth of him. He's not fit to live. They were okay with, they were listening to the testimony until it was, oh, it's not for every, it's, it's for other people besides just us. It's, it's, it's not just for us. It's not just for those of us who have lived the old covenant and been devout and followed it over and over again. But now it's for the Gentiles too. No, we don't want to hear this message anymore. Paul's in the temple. He's in the place of worship. The people there are not just fringe uh, followers, they are devout, God-fearing people, and they don't want to hear about Jesus. This is who he's speaking to. And it's in that setting that there are people who think they are following God, but they miss Jesus in the process. And that's what I want us to look at today a little bit more closely. Because as I read through this passage, I'm drawn to this question for our context today. Yes, it's right here in the text, but in our context today. And this is, how do we share the good news of Jesus? How do we share the gospel of Christ with those who have some level of belief in God? And yet they ignore it, or they reject it? Or they neglect it. They neglect that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the only way to God. The question, how do you share your faith with those who think they know God apart from a true faith in Jesus Christ? How do you do that? How do you do that? It's a simple enough question. Um, but we communicate in a culture where we're, we're very fluent with our religious vocabulary. Everybody is. And, and we, we live in a culture where to have some sort of, you know, intellectual assent to the existence of some divine creator is like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a disciple. Sure. We, we live in a culture where a good reputation is, is considered a fruit of the spirit. Like that's, that's the, the, how it plays out. We, we have this idea that if I just smile at a stranger, then I'm evangelizing. 
And we have this mindset, if I attend worship once or twice a month, then that's like the pinnacle of my devotion to God. This, this is the world we live in. And so it's imperative, as we see from Paul's actions and his testimony, it's imperative that as Jesus followers, that we proclaim a living, breathing, life-centered, life-focused faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We don't leave him out of the equation. See, there are, there are those who think, I'm good, I'm good, I've, I've got the information about God. Who think they know God apart from Jesus Christ. How do we share our faith with them? How do we do that? I, I know this because I experienced this. I was a person who had an intellectual agreement with myself that there was a God who created the world. And that was it. That was the extent of any kind of faith you could say I had. But if you were to come up to me and say, Shannon, do you believe in God? I would have said, yeah. But I was missing Jesus. And Paul is standing before a group of people who have way more understanding of God than I ever did. They know all the law. I mean, like recite it, memorize all this, all the way up to everything except for Jesus. And if you were to ask them, do you believe in God? They would say yes. And if you were to ask them, do you have a, a faith in Jesus Christ? They would have slapped you, spit on you, and thrown you out. This is what they want to do to Paul. There are people who will say words that we might assume are like, oh, yeah, they must be good. But they're missing it. I knew I was missing it. All right, so here's what I want to do, and, and we'll see how, how far we're able to go um, this morning in the notes. But it's imperative for us to be able to do this. Paul's going to show us from the text. So here's the overarching question that I have, so I'm sharing it with you and the overarching question is, how do we share our faith with those who think they know God apart from a true faith? And I would want to add to that, in Jesus Christ. But you guys know what I mean when I say a true faith. Right? The full, the fullness. All right, here's what we see from Paul. Two examples from him in the text. How do we do this? Paul shows us. The first is this. If we want to share Jesus with people who say, yeah, I believe in God. We need to be able to define God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. See, Paul, one of Paul's um, obstacles in speaking to the people there that day who were accusing him was they just knew God as Father. They just knew God as Creator. They did not know the Son, and therefore they were, did not know the Holy Spirit. We need to be able in our, in our conversations, in how we're living our life, and how we're sharing Christ, we need to be able to talk about God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a God in three persons. And altogether, he is in his fullness, that is who we know and love and follow. 
Paul in Acts 22 is affirming them. He says, you know what? You're my people. I love you. You love God. You are, you are zealous for God. And if you want to honor and follow God, you need to follow Jesus. He's the rest of the story. If you've been waiting for God to fulfill his promise, which they were, they were totally waiting for the Messiah. If you've been waiting for this, Paul's like, if you want to be zealous for God, if you want to honor him with your life, recognize he is the one who sent Jesus. He's able to point to Jesus, recognize this. He's like, you know, Jesus is the one who made a way. Jesus is the one who made it possible. You know, this is Paul speaking to them, you know how the old covenant was. We have to repeat it over and over and over again, and still we're apart from him. Still we are separated from him. If you want to know God, know Jesus. He's given us a new covenant. This is what he says to them. So if we want to be able to share God, share who Jesus is, we need to be able to define God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's important for us because we we throw the words around, we throw the names around, but we need to be able to speak to the persons of God. Now, we we need to be able to do this, and I'll say this about our understanding of God. If we were to do a, uh, you know, do a survey, you know, ask someone out on the busy street somewhere in London where Anna Catherine is, like, hey, can you define God? Friends, we're going to get, however many people you ask is that's probably how many definitions of God you're going to get, right? We need to be able to give a definition for who he is. Paul's laying it out for them. He's not a, a nebulous, unknown unreachable entity floating out in space. That is not God. He's a loving father. He's a gracious savior. And he is the powerful Holy Spirit. The second thing we can do, like Paul, like Paul did to share his faith with those who think they know the way, but it's separated from, it's apart from faith in Jesus, is we need to invite people to a life greater than themselves. We need to invite people to a life greater than themselves. We see this with Paul. Following Jesus is going to lead, it leads Paul on a path and in a direction, and gave him opportunities that did not fit into his religion at all. In no way, shape, or form did what transpired, that what transpired with Paul on the road to Damascus, and then as he was with Ananias, and then going forward the rest of his life, none of that fit into his religious life that he had constructed for himself. And it's true for all of us, that when we live in a life that's greater than ourselves, what we find that is that our paths, that our directions, that our opportunities... They do not fit into whatever preconceived idea that we might have had. It's much greater than that. It's much, much greater than that. Now this, I say again, I know this, I'll say it to be true because I know it's true for me. And I believe it's true for most people. I I don't know for certain, but I feel pretty good about 
what I'm about to say here. Before I knew Jesus, but I would have said, yeah, I know God. I had a gnawing inner sense, hunger, craving for something greater than, than, what, than what I was living, who I was, where I was, everything. I had this sense inside of me that there was more, that there was more. I didn't have a, like, I want to do that one day. It was nothing like that. It was like inside I felt that there was more to life than just me going, yeah, I believe in God. I just felt it. I don't know if you have felt that way before. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of you have. But I know a lot of people who are in that place right now. And if you were to ask them, do you believe in God? They'd be like, mm-hmm. But then if you get, dig in a little deeper, you find out that there is a sense of, of, of disconnect or a sense of, of lacking in their, in their entire being because they crave something more. And I, from the moment I, I met and said yes to Jesus, that, I, that was filled. We need to invite people to a life that is greater than whatever, whatever they think their life is. For those who are like, yeah, I know God, but they're empty. Maybe they're talking to you about it. Maybe they're coming to you for advice and they're wanting to know and they know you're a Christian and they know you like you say you you act as if you love Jesus. You got your Bible with you and you say you go to church and they're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and it's like they're overwhelmed. We need to be able to invite people to a life that is greater than themselves. It is what Paul is doing here. Whether the, the listening audience there knew it or not, he was like, you've listened, you've believed all the way up to this point, but there's more. I have met the Messiah and he has brought life. That old covenant, right? It's people and God and there's this huge chasm and all the religious activity that could be done on the human scale was never ever enough to get there to God. There was a chasm there and the only thing that bridged that is Jesus. And Paul's like, I know this information now. I knew all of this. At, at no point did Paul say, man, I don't even, I don't believe any of that stuff anymore. No, it was, it was a fulfillment of what he knew. Jesus fulfilled the previous knowledge he had. And it bridged that gap. It crossed that chasm that he made a way. And he's standing before these people like, Jesus, it's him. I'm telling you, I've met him. We need to invite people to a life greater than themselves. In Acts chapter 22, verse 14, Paul is speaking to them. He says, the God of our ancestors has chosen you. This is Ananias speaking. To know his will and to see the righteous one. And to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you've seen and heard. And he says, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. 
See, none of this, none of this fit into Paul's previous life. None of it. But what Jesus called Paul to was a bountiful, fruitful, kingdom-filled life that he would not trade with anyone. It was difficult, yes. But he devoted his life to honor God and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and he lifted up the name of Jesus. It's what he was called to. And I just, I think about this and I think about my own experiences. How many people do you and I know who are missing the bountiful, bountiful, fruitful, kingdom-filled, purposeful life? where they can actually pursue the things of God. They can have their whole life devoted to honoring him, empowered by the Holy Spirit, submitting to Jesus as Lord. And they're not. I mean, the answer to Paul from from Ananias was, get up, get up, let's go. In Christ, we're called to something greater than ourselves. Believing in the existence of God, it's not enough. Going going to a a church service, it's not enough on its own. Being a good person is not enough. Praying is not enough. Loving other people is not enough. Our lives must be surrendered and submitted to the lordship of Jesus. And as we live into that, all those other things become greater, more powerful, more focused. Paul is testifying to the goodness of God. He's saying he sent us Jesus. I want to offer you two scriptures, very well known. One we have mentioned so many times, John chapter 14, 6, in this series, because the the followers of Jesus are are mentioned as the way. But I want to offer these two scriptures to you, because what is the big question? How do we share our faith with people who say they know God, but it's apart from faith in Jesus Christ? How do we speak to them, and how do we do that? I want to give you these two verses, one just to encourage you, but then secondly for you to have, to share. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You ask someone, do you believe in God? Mm-hmm. What about Jesus? Eh, I don't know. Huh? Well, God's word says Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to him. No one crosses that bridge to him except through Jesus. Nobody, nobody. We can have a lot of knowledge about God, but if we've not come to God through Jesus and what he did on the cross and his resurrection, then we're still living in our own power, trying to please God and still very far away from him, disconnected from him. Romans chapter 10, verse nine. Remember the overarching question, how do we share our faith with people who say they know God, but they don't know Jesus? The good news is, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Why does it matter about the the Lord part kind of makes sense. Why do we have to believe he's raised from the dead? Without a resurrection, there is no salvation. Jesus is who he claimed to be. He was the Lamb of God. He took away the sins of the world by his death. And he fulfilled the promise by his new life, by his resurrected life. Lord, we call on the name Lord, believe in the resurrection. This is what Paul is testifying to, to those before him, and then later in his writings as he wrote in Romans. 
So, what is the takeaway from Paul's testimony here in Acts 22? What's the, what's the takeaway for us today? Even church people need Jesus. In Paul's vernacular, he would have said even temple people need Jesus. Or maybe even religious people need Jesus. But in our context today, even church people need Jesus. See, if you identify yourself as a religious person only, I have good news for you today. That can change. <laughs> you don't have to say I'm a religious person. You can say I'm a Jesus person. When someone asks about your faith and you say, oh, I, mean, I don't know, I mean, I go to church and stuff. If that's how you've been identifying yourself, let me tell you, you have a greater identity than simply being a religious person or a church person. And that's what Paul was saying in Acts chapter 22 to those gathered. And it's what I'm saying to you today. I want you to hear it. Because before we can answer the question, how do we share with people who say they believe in God, but it's, all, it's separated from Jesus Christ, we need to be able to say we believe in God and connect it to our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul's life was not complete as just a religious person. He was a Jesus person. From the moment he, he was met that blinding light on the road to Damascus, he was a Jesus person. So I want to offer this... <clears throat> Gracious invitation, okay? I'll say it's a gracious invitation. Um, it's not my invitation. It's the gracious invitation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He makes it possible. He, he's the one that wrote this invite, and it's really important. If you realize, I've been coming to church and going, yeah, I believe in God. I, I want to honor God. I don't want to make God mad. I don't want to do anything that, he, you know. But you've never responded to God by professing with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God saved him from the dead. Then the gracious invitation is for you to do that today. And I'm going to pray with you for that in a moment. The other gracious invitation. If you desire to profess your faith. With boldness. With love. With compassion. With, with a gracious heart. To people who are all around you saying, ah, I believe in God, but, but you see it, you know it, you've heard it from their own lips. It's apart from Jesus. If you want that boldness, if you have that desire, if you're like, God, I need you to help me with this. You want to speak of Jesus's 
miraculous work in your life and, and the life that he offers to them. If that's your desire, I want to pray for you too. We're going to pray for that in a moment. And then I want to add this on. As we take a little time together in worship. If you desire to come and bend your knee before the Lord. At the kneelers. And have a conversation with him. And pour out your heart to him. Confess your sin to him. I encourage you to do that. It's a gracious invitation for you to respond. Friends, the only way to experience true life, true purpose, this is what I read between the lines of how Paul spoke that day. The only way to experience true life, true purpose, true fulfillment is through the work and the person of Jesus Christ. And we must accept that. We must live into that. We must receive that. And then we must share that. Let's pray together. Father, for those who um, are in this room right now or listening or watching this later, and there is a a palpable sense of I must respond to you, God, because of Jesus. Lord, would this be their prayer? Father God, creator of the universe, of all things, who've put everything into motion. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the savior of the world. I believe that he lived. I believe that he gave his life, his body broken, his blood poured out, shed for me for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe it. I accept it. And I proclaim that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for lives. Thank you for those who just stepped across that bridge that Jesus built. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. God, for those who desire to be a bold witness to the truth of the gospel, Lord, would you give them a, a passion for other people? Lord, would you tune their ears to, to, to hear in conversation and, 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 and as they're texting and talking and everything, that they're, they're picking up on this hunger, this 
this disconnect where they know they're meant for something more, but they can't name it and they don't know what it is. Lord, help us to see that, to hear that, to understand that so that we can bring truth into there. So we can bring, we can bring your truth into those moments. We let you do the work. We don't save anybody. We just point in the direction of Jesus. God, would you forgive us for those those moments, those opportunities, those conversations, those relationships, those connections that we have failed to follow through with. Maybe we didn't even see it or recognize it. Lord, would you give us those opportunities again? God, I thank you that you have called us to a life that is greater than anything we could have designed or organized ourselves. And wherever that path may take us, wherever that direction may lead us, that we know we're following with you, that we are following in step with you. And where we go, where you lead, we will not fail because you do not fail. Would your Holy Spirit continue to minister to each and every one of us in this room right now? As we worship you, as we lift our voice up to you, as we turn our eyes to you. God, I thank you that when we come to stand before you, when we come and and are on our knees before you, surrendered, given over to you, we all come with a heaviness and a a, a sense of, how can he love me? How can he? I'm I'm broken, I'm messed up. Because of Jesus. You love us exactly as you find us. And it's in his name we pray.